becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the songs. Glimmer, glimmer, of the ship being seen. Saw it. See what happens. Cheers. Cheers. Off to the shores. Off to the shores. You're going to have to lead me. Mm. I am not fire, firing on all cylinders today. So you know what that means? What? This is going to be like a, a lot of random fires. You're usually the one that kind of like drives us down the road. And then I kind of like bump us off into places. And then <laughs> we might stay bumped off into places <laughs> tonight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's on your mind. Money. Money. What is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely everything. Lots nothing. of things. Lots and of nothing. Things. <laughs> uh, what a topic. I know. I think we're going to try to do this. It's more of like, these are just two guys who don't have a lot of money, but have, you know, we're not dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can eat. <laughs> but we've been thinking a lot about money. Like, just what is it? What is it good for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You were the one that kind of like you were the one that kind of pushed us off into this uh, this uh, arena. Yeah. Well, I think it was a lot of the conversations we were having about thinking differently about things, and one of the things I started thinking differently about was money. Mm. Um, I'm not exactly sure how, other than just to say that I, I don't know. Rather than thinking about whether or not I had the money I needed to you know, pay the bills or do the things that I needed to do. I started thinking about, um, I, <laughs> well, I mean, it may be where, cause like, uh, I mean, cause like you've gone through a lot over the last years. And so a lot of it's been more of like, you're just trying to get, you've kind of had a little bit more error. It seemed like to think about, mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. What do I want to do with what I have? Yeah. And how can I move that into the future? Mm-hmm. And that's where you got me thinking about that too. And I remembered I had these bonds that I bought back in 2002. I graduated college and was working for the state. And I was like, what do you do as a responsible person that just graduated? Will you buy bonds? Because that's what responsibilities do. See, I, I don't understand that. There's so much I don't understand about money. I don't really know. And maybe that's what I was trying to think. Change is understand more about, mm-hmm. about money, what it is, how it works, why it's important and mm-hmm. um you know because there's things that i want to do yeah and usually the things that you want to do cost money and, <laughs> um yeah but I, I i have some bonds that i found that somebody bought for some of my kids like when they were born mm-hmm. and i found them recently and i was like oh i wonder if these are worth anything and i went <laughs> and i didn't know this i think it's just a certain type of bond but mm-hmm. they will only ever be worth what it, the number is that says on the bond. It's not like they get more valuable. It's that that's how valuable they will get after 30 <laughs> years. And I was like, Oh, so I've got like a hundred bucks in bonds here, <laughs> which were mine were opposite. I, they, there's different series and, and mine were worth more than what the dollar amount was, but they were not, they were already mature. Like, m- you know, many years ago, <laughs> it was a whole lot, but yeah, we, we took that and, started playing with the stock market a little bit and just yeah. a, more out of a experiment or kind of to see what was to learn. I well, guess. I think too, it was like that, that whole conversation we had about how 
much opportunity there is in the world. Mm-hmm. And just to reiterate, I don't mean that in terms of like opportunities for um, success. I mean it in terms of like, like we said, there's more in the world than you could ever pay attention to in mm-hmm. your entire life. So like there's never a lack of something to be discovered or seen or understood. And um, so like I got interested in trying to, uh, or we mm-hmm. got interested in, <laughs> or you got me interested. <laughs> yeah. In uh, you know, the stock market, I think it, it started, started with uh, Bitcoin too, because mm-hmm. Bitcoin is having a moment right now. Oh yeah. It's all. The so rage. we started looking into that. It really was like challenging my mind in terms of like, what is money and what is value? And mm. this thing that kind of makes our world go around and it can be a source of, um, great, like, excess and affluence. It can Mm -hmm. be a source of, um, great trouble and strife. And, um, yeah. So we've been talking a lot about that and learning a lot about that. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a weird, like, I feel like I've kind of just, I guess I've always had more of a scarcity mindset with money, you know, as far as like, okay, I have this, I need to eat. I need to pay rent uh, gas, you know, it's more of like to take care of and then, Oh, I got a little bit extra. Okay. I'll buy some books or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or tax return was nice this year. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll take a trip with that. Spend or it. Spend it. Yeah. Right. right. And I, I just haven't thought a lot about, I mean, obviously with Medici that that's kind of investing, but I've, I've always seen that as different than like my personal finances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's like it's always been more of a scarcity mindset when it comes to money. It's like okay, oh, yeah. I mean, one thing I, I I've been trying to switch from a scarcity mindset, and part of that is circumstantial. Like sometimes you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I noticed a milestone in my life actually fairly recently, and you know, I'm fairly old for you so know old. getting there, getting to this <laughs> milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a, you know people, some people don't ever get there. Some people don't ever know what this feels like, but you know, you, you have the experience where you're, you know, getting your groceries at the store and you go wait in line to pay and you're looking at all the groceries and you pull out your phone and check your bank account to like mm. make sure you have, you know, <laughs> overdraft, you know, <laughs> that used to be like a daily thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't until really recently in my life where I don't quite have to worry about day to day. Mm-hmm transactions. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't ever, like I used to never fill my tank all the way up mm-hmm. because that would change my financial situation, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And now I just fill my tank up all the time mm-hmm. and, and having that release, having that released, um, really changed some things, changed the way that I thought about a lot of things. Mm. Um, so I figure moving from a scarcity mindset I mean, whether or not you can, it's just changing the mindset. It's not changing your financial situation. It's just changing the way you think about it. If you can move from a scarcity mindset, which is, I don't have enough mm-hmm. into a mindset that says, well, I have what I have. What does that do? What can I do with that? Well, how can I do the most with that, that I can? Totally. And I think that's really the shift. Yeah. And then you kind of start to, then you start to come up against values. You know, what do you value? So um, there's so many scenarios that we can run through, but I'll just kind of, just kind of pick more of like a middle of America, you know, middle class type of situation <clears throat> where, you know, it's like you have a certain amount that you bring in 
And so you have two cars, a, you know, a, a three bedroom house in a fairly, you know, Oh, good neighborhood. And, and, uh, you know, you go out to eat and maybe take a couple trips a year, you know, that's, yeah, I think that's a fairly common middle-class mm-hmm. lifestyle. Um, however, you know, if you were to lose a car or could only take one trip or no trips, it's like you would start to feel that, you know, you kind of gotten used to a certain lifestyle and there's sort of a scarcity mindset where if you've, if you're a family where, you know, you're, de- do you depend on the, um, bus to take you to work and, you know, maybe a two bedroom with five people or whatever it might be, um, you know, to have, to actually have a car would be like, Whoa, that's amazing. Now I can drive everywhere. Right. right. And so the, the values that we have associated around money is, is really fascinating. Uh, especially being a Western country in the United States, it's like our understanding of, of the value of money and what we, what we buy with it and what's sort of normal, you know, what's the standard of living here in the United States versus, you know, third world countries, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's just very different and like how we, how we look at these things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It does. It is based a lot on what you're used to. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I've been watching billions <laughs> that show and, uh, there's this one scene where there's like some hedge fund manager who's, you know, it's going, his funds going down and he's mm-hmm. going to have to sell. And the main guy asks him like, well, what are you getting out with? And he said, 40 million. And he's like, <laughs> can you live on that? He's like, I guess so. And then he goes through all of the things that he's going to have to change in order to live on 40 million. And he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I was like, what is that? You know, it's because when you're used to a certain lifestyle, changing that lifestyle is difficult. It doesn't matter whether you're going from crazy rich to just regular rich, mm-hmm. you know, um, or poor to middle class or mm-hmm. middle class to poor or whatever. It's like, there's so many things that we just don't pay attention to on a daily basis because we take, it's not even that we take them for granted. It's that we stop seeing them for what they are. We don't really have to evaluate them because they just work, Yeah, you know, and then those get removed and we forgot what purpose they served. I think something else I've been thinking about is that money is strange because <clears throat> money doesn't have any value. Hmm. Money simply represents value. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to think about what is, what is that value? Where does the value actually exist? Mm-hmm. You know? And when I started thinking about things in terms of value and not in terms of money, I started feeling a lot richer. Oh, interesting. How so? Well, okay. So like, you know, I, I, uh, I live off of a job that pays me a salary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that money is, is simply representative of some value. What is that value? Well, it's me. I am the thing that has value. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't have a salary. I have value that a company is representing with that salary. Oh, gotcha. And then I thought, man, well, what's my value? Mm-hmm. You know, well, the market's determining it right now, or at least my agreement with my company is determining it. Yeah. But then I started thinking, well, if I have value and then I can name what that value is, that's being represented by the, the salary. Well, what parts of myself have value that I'm not contributing? Yeah. You know, how could I bring, how could I use my value to do more? Mm-hmm. 
And maybe that's to do more and get a raise, or maybe that's to do more and contribute more, um, you know, through other means, be it nonprofit or volunteer or, you know, once you identify yourself as the source of the value that's represented in your paycheck, you realize that you are that valuable all the time, every day. Mm. And what are you doing with it? You know, after hours. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of changed my, my, the way that I feel about moving into the future a little bit. That's interesting. I, I, I like the way you said that, that, you know, the value is in the individual and it's not just, there is one aspect of that determining that value is money or financials. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect is, is like you were saying, volunteering, you know, it's yeah. like, um, the value that you have and that you can give is your time at a soup kitchen or, you know, uh, helping your neighbor out or something like that. But it's not your time. I mean, that it's only one small component of it. Mm. It's expertise. Yeah. The way you do it, your attitude, the, Mm. um, you know, the skill that you bring, that would kind of be part of the expertise, but, Mm um, you know, I think we tend to think of, of, um, jobs as like, I'm going to pay someone Mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. The value of the job X, Y, and Z is this money. Mm -hmm. And then you can just slot in whatever person can do it and receive the money. We think about the value being on the task. Mm. Now, certainly tasks have value in some other context, but I don't think that it's the tasks that have the value. I think it's the value. It's the value of the person who does the tasks. Mm. That's where the value lives. Well, even uh, just to kind of push back on that a little bit, like there is, you know, as far as the, there's a certain amount of uh, uh, skill or expertise that you need for certain jobs. Right. So like um, someone who sits there and pushes a button every day, you know, I'm, this is an abstract thought. Like, just mm-hmm. you, hey, just sit here. You push this button every 15 seconds. Did I ever tell you about the job I had? <laughs> You're like, I was that button. in college. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was basically that. Was it really? Yeah, I got oh, a job um, at uh, I was home for the summer. I think it was after my freshman or sophomore year of college, and I needed a job. And my friend and I, I think he he got a lead on this job. This company that made um, duffel bags for the military. Mm. It's a manufacturing plant in the small town of Bernie, Texas, where I grew up. I don't know why it was there, but so we went and they hired us basically no questions asked. And we showed up for the first day and this guy took me to my station. It's basically like an assembly line, right? Mm -hmm. Took me to my station. (laughs) I'll let you get back to the button pusher, but (laughs) you're probably going to just take it. I think you already got it. (laughs) uh, He took me to my station and my job was to make, to take these little pieces of, of like, um, nylon uh like strips or webbing kind of things Mm -hmm. they were about i don't know three inches long by half an inch wide and they needed to be fused together like like folded in half and then fused together at the end to make a loop Mm -hmm. and so my job was to sit there with a huge box of these things to my left and then there was this plate in front of me that was heated Mm-hmm. And so you would pick up one of these things, you would touch it to the plate to make the end of the nylon melt, and then you'd roll it over and pinch it together so it would fuse, and then you'd put it in the next box. Mm-hmm. And it was just this all day long. And 
it drove me absolutely mad. <laughs> uh-huh. The woman next to me was doing something similar and she had been working there for, I think she said 15 years. Oh, wow. And you know, she was totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like she just sat there, she had a little radio listening to her station and mm-hmm. just sat there doing her thing all day long. She was happy. She was super nice. And, um, at the end of the day, I went into the the foreman's office or boss's office, whatever. And I was just like, I can't do this. And he's like, totally understand. It's not for everybody. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I gotcha. And I was like, could I get paid for today though? <laughs> he wrote me a check right there and just handed it to me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was a button pusher. <laughs> well, there, there's something like, you know, like, but again, it's like, you're not, you're not paying for a very high skill there. You know, it's like, right. Uh, and it fits a certain need too. I mean, um, uh, well, which is, which is fascinating in itself. Um, yeah. So it's like, so again, and you go all the way up from like a button pusher to like a surgeon who has like a high skill that is, you know, is life or death or, you know, <laughs> somewhere in between <clears throat> of losing yeah, a limb or right. something like that. Um, so like the value that we, we put on that, and I forgot where I was going with that now. Well, you were pushing back on me saying, I was saying that the tasks aren't what have the value. The person who does the task has the value. Oh yeah. Where the, where the task does, does in some instances have, um, well, the values in the person. What would the, I mean, the task would be, well, I would say the task is a part of the value of the company. Because it's just a different scale. It's a reframing because uh, yeah. a company has a value. They, they do something or provide something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's value in that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the company that I just told you about, it's like they made duffel bags for the military. It's important that that has value. Mm-hmm. Military needs duffel bags. That's valuable to their troops. They have to have them. And yeah. so, but in order for that value to be provided by the company, a part of that value is they can take nylon loops and fuse them together at the end, Mm -hmm. you know? So that task has value in the context of that. The, the, the reframing back to the individual, I think is that, you know, the thing, the reason that the surgeon has value that make, that allows him to do his job is because his component parts, one of those includes, you know, having gone to medical school and Mm -hmm. the reading and studying needed to be done and the continuing education and the practice and the, um, you know, those constituent parts are part of what makes him value. I'm, I'm not saying that the value is, is, um, inalienable or, or intrinsic, you know, it, it, it can be learned or acquired and, and practiced. Hmm. Um, you know, and certainly like there are jobs that I'm not qualified for. Mm-hmm. I, my value doesn't, isn't valuable there. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked how you said the, that between so like a, uh, like a company has different values like in order to provide this person with this paycheck we have this one little point where someone has to fuse these nylons together mm-hmm. so if we're going to charge $50 a backpack this little section of this whole process can only cost it has to be you know if you make 100 100 connections in an hour each one of those connections are five cents to pay that salary. So you're making $8 an hour. Um, 
you know, so that's the value that they have on that section of the backpack, unless they're going to charge more. And then that value of that period is, is actually more too, in order to work in like, you know, uh, cost of the backpack as well as the profit and, and what you're going to sell it for. Yeah. But still, well, okay. So imagine I didn't quit after the first day mm-hmm. and I thought, well, what if I could do two at a time? you know, one mm-hmm. in each hand. And mm-hmm. I got good at that when well, yeah. I'm doing double the amount. Mm-hmm. What if I went home and I was thinking about it and I took, <clears throat> I made like a little wheel of, of dowels and on the end of each one fixed a clothespin. Oh, fascinating. And then, you know, maybe it's a semicircle mm-hmm. clothespins on the curved side and I've got, let's say 15 of them. Mm-hmm. And then I can go put nylon strips into all the 15 things and then roll that across the, the pipe, the hot plate. And then I've got another contraption that I build where I can swipe it across that and it bends them over and folds them. Now I can do 15 in the time that it took me to do one. Mm. So now I've innovated and now the job, the, 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 the cost that the company built in mm-hmm. for the nylon loop making job. Yeah. I'm making, I'm doing 15 times what anyone else could do. Mm-hmm. So the value of the value of that job worked into the cost model changes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of two scenarios happens there is that, you know, if you can make the case and they're like, Oh wow. Yeah. You actually do twice as many as everybody else. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a raise. It might not be double what you're making right. for doing double work, right. but it'll be something. Or they recognize your ingenuity, and all of a sudden your value to the company actually. Well, okay, man, you maybe maybe this person can look at other aspects that we're doing that can make it more efficient and mm-hmm. more profitable. Right. You know? And so, yeah, it would, it, would, it would be in the company's interest in that case to reallocate me to use the value that I bring in a place that's better for the company's value. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, my value isn't the ability to fold a piece of nylon and press it on a hot plate. My mm-hmm. ability, it's, yeah, it's clearly something different. It's like, I do have the ability to do that, but mm-hmm. my value is clearly that I can innovate and change working processes. Yeah, more efficient. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I see that too. Like, I mean, just over the years at Medici, like, um, so many people have, you know, we've kind of grown as people have shown their ability to innovate, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, going from one shop to two shop to three shops, I just kind of found that I had these people that were so passionate and so into it. And I was trying to figure out how I can make this sustainable to get people into these positions and actually pay them what they're worth, you know? And but it's all, it's it, a lot of the driving factor was, is, is seeing so much talent and so much, you know, excitedness about these things. Um, I think a lot of that drove our growth mm-hmm. and it made me more responsive as I saw people stepping up before there was actually a position, Yeah, um, which I think is a more of a, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a, I've heard, I've heard this argument before and I, and whether, how, how true this is, I don't know, but you know, um, there's a lot of, some people will say that, um, 
more today is like pay me what I pay me what I'm what what I think I'm worth, not what I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's I didn't say that very very well. Where like I feel like when I was growing up, I was always taught is sort of you prove yourself and opportunities will come, mm-hmm. but you always work one and a half times harder than what you're asked to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's acknowledged and sometimes it's not, but I was always, I, I feel like I was always taught that that's how you put yourself into a position to, um, grow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that fits with what we're saying. I mean, I think the person who shows up to a job and doesn't just do what the job asks him to do, mm-hmm. they show up and say, what is my value and what can I use that to accomplish mm-hmm. to get done? I mean, if you're only, well, if you're only doing what you've been asked to do, you're putting the value on the task, not on yourself. And I think the value lies properly on yourself and, you know, maybe you're doing less than you're asked to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why aren't you, why aren't you valuing yourself enough to do what the job is required? Mm-hmm. And then if you're only doing that and you're capable of more, which you are, and you're not doing more. Well, why not? Like you have value. You're a valuable person. Why are you letting value go to waste? Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's not about a raise or or a bonus or a promotion or whatever. Like the idea that you have value that just isn't being utilized is the same idea of like living paycheck to paycheck but having thirty thousand dollars in cash in your dresser that you're doing nothing with. Hmm. You know conceptually it's it's like you're you're not doing anything with that mm-hmm. why uh, i want to hit that too but you first part that you kind of also it's like also your social value because uh you know when you work with somebody that is yeah. working their butt off it's like you work harder and it's like there's also a satisfaction in that too like i, I always love you know uh, I mean, I think there's that there's that part in our relationship too. Is like you know, you're always pushing me to go further and further and further, and to think outside, and to have better arguments and to better explain myself. You know, yeah. And so it's like when you're around people that have that sort of excellence, it also pushes you to be more than what you, more than who you are and what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a monetary thing; it's also a uh, a fulfillment thing too. Totally. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about the best jobs you've ever had, mm-hmm. I guarantee you the first thing you think about is not money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not how much you made. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, uh, the relationships, <laughs> yeah. whether that be, you know, like joking off mm-hmm. playing Mario Kart after hours or, mm-hmm. um, being in the trenches together, working overtime, even though you're not getting overtime pay Mm -hmm. to do something and doing it well and celebrating that, Mm -hmm. even though there's no monetary reward. Totally. Those are the things that are satisfying. Mm -hmm. I remember I worked at a go Creek, uh, or a concrete factory one year and, uh, 
uh, buddy uh, Rich. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's kind of mischievous in many ways, but he made it so much fun. We also got high off of uh, uh, oil-based paint. Whoa. Yeah. We, we didn't realize that we were having a lunch break. Oh, so it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose, no. <laughs> and we were just like so loopy and like, it was hilarious. We're in the, uh, what are those Boston markets or whatever? And oh, yeah. Are those things still around? I don't know. <laughs> but we were just, we were just dying. And then we realized like, oh my gosh, like we're high on the fumes of that. That's funny. Paint. <laughs> but I had so many good memories, but it was a hard ass job. I yeah. mean, it's like we were in the, we were in Dallas and the, it was a hundred, it's one of those hundred degree summers, like all summer long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They call us yard monkeys. We go into the reclaimer. <laughs> Where they this spins the concrete around. Oh yeah! Didn't it you was, have to clean it? You have to clean it, but it was it felt so good. It was nice and cool in there. Oh wow! It smelled bad, but it was still yeah yeah. <laughs> it's like our air conditioning. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Like we didn't get paid very well, but man, it was a great job. Like mm-hmm. we really, uh, it was really great. So and also the guys driving the trucks that come through, hilarious <laughs> characters, man. Such characters. Um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, maybe do do like the money aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if we. Yeah, well, so I think the the thing is like recognizing value and Mm -hmm. where the value is, and trying to utilize that. I think that I've been trying to think about things that have value in my life that have that are going underutilized. Um, which makes sense. I I mean, just also kind of put it out there, uh, like you and I are not very driven by money. Like that's not. Mm -mm. And so I think this is, this is kind of why we're talking about this is, um, is like, you know, money's always kind of been a means to like eat shelter all the way, but you know, and also do a little bit extra stuff on top of that. But, um, so it's, it's been kind of fascinating for Matt and I to think about this in a way of, well, how do we like make, how do we make money and make money work for us? I think that's been kind of a, an interesting, mm-hmm. not just see it as a, uh, basic survival, um, uh, means to an end right. type thing, but right. something that is actually, how can I create, create more with this and create more opportunities? Well, who I think it was Warren Buffett that said, never let your money go unemployed. I like that. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> um, you know, there's a big difference between, I think that the, the way that the rich and the not rich think, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you have a scarcity mindset, if you have a mindset that says, well, you know, okay, I've got a little bit in savings, let's say a thousand dollars. And you think, oh, good, you know, worked really hard for that. I saved, I've got it in savings and it's just sitting there in savings, a thousand dollars. Well, that's just going to be a thousand dollars. That money is unemployed. It's not working. And money has the value to work because I think money isn't value. It represents value. So you have this representation. Well, what is it representing? Um, you know, maybe it is representing past work that's stored. Mm-hmm. Well, that means that that's stored effort, which can be released and used to generate 
new value. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So you expel effort, you expel your value, generates a representation in the form of money. And then if you have the money sitting in an account, well, that's like, it's sort of like kinetic energy. Mm. It's stored. Mm-hmm. And that can be, you know, released in terms of like that value transferring to like pay a bill or buy something. Um, but it can also be released to generate new value. Mm-hmm. Just like your original effort and value generated it. Yeah, sometimes in that situation, obviously everyone's different, but sometimes that the value of it there is safety. Yes. You know, like, oh, I know I have that for mm-hmm. if I have uh, a medical bill or something that comes up that I can't. Yeah. And that certainly is a good value. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I had never considered thinking about it in terms of like using that stored value to generate something new. Mm, totally. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe you do that. I mean, that's what investors do, right? It's mm-hmm. like you've got, let's say you've got $10,000 and you have mm-hmm. a friend that's starting a business. Well, you give them the $10,000 hoping that that business generates new value and that turns back and, and, and rewards you. Mm-hmm. Your 10000 becomes 20000 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I just started trying to think about that differently, which I think is what led to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Because... Bitcoin's really interesting in, in a bunch of different ways. Um, but Bitcoin isn't like a currency. It doesn't represent value. Mm-hmm. It is actually value. It, it's, it is as gold is to the dollar. Or was to the dollar. Or was, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because we're no longer back white gold, right? Mm-hmm. As gold was to the dollar. I mean, gold was the value, the dollar was the representation. Mm-hmm. And that's what a currency is, a representation. And it's because of gold's scarcity that it had the, the, the value. The value mm-hmm. Right. So Bitcoin is like that now, mm-hmm. um, which is why, uh, well, I don't know if I can say it's why, but you know, the value is, is currently going up because people are starting to realize that. Mm-hmm. That it is an, a valuable thing, not because of its ability to buy stuff mm-hmm. or to trade and transact, but its ability to store value. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a complete mind. I mean, it's 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 a really. It, I've had I've had this explained to me so many times over the years, and I was just sort of like, "Yeah, that's kind of make believe, right?" And but as I as I started. I mean, over the years, it's just, but how much is like the dollar, you know, the sort of like, there's a sort of like fate, fiat, like faith that we have in our currency, whether it be shells or gold or, um, but we do, we do put some sort of value on it. Um, and, I, and again, again, just to remind you guys, we're just two guys who <laughs> <laughs> are also exploring these things, but um, but it really makes sense as far as like the, the Bitcoin thing, because there's like, there's a limited value. There's a limited amount of it and it's not contingent on like America GDP or, um, you know, uh, you know, or like now we might possibly go into inflation with like all the money <laughs> we're spending on, right. on all this recovery stuff, which I'm also thankful for. But then also I understand that you can't just keep giving out money. It's just this impossible. So, I mean, I think for us in the United States, we don't really understand that as much because the dollar has been so strong for so long, mm-hmm. 
But when you go to, you know, countries like Argentina or, you know, smaller countries that their, um, their fiat currency is just being, you know, devalued, <laughs> you know, overnight sometimes yeah. like, um, that we don't really understand. Like, like the dollar just seems like it's something that's very tangible, which it's mm-hmm. actually not as tangible and stable. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's where that, the, the Bitcoin thing comes to, to mind. It's just not, it's not tied to any, uh, government regulating mm-hmm. that or creating more of it. There's only a certain amount of it. It's a limited supply. Right. Well, that was a really interesting thing to learn too, is that the, the idea that Bitcoin is decentralized is actually really important and has ramifications beyond what you might originally instinctually think, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> you know, for instance, if you want to transfer a large sum of money, hmm. let's say for a, a down payment on a house, um, or maybe you just want to gift me, you know, you've got $20,000 and I'm trying to buy a house and you just like, Matt really love you. And, um, going to give you $20,000. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we all know the difficulties that would come along with that. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to give it to me? You know, probably wire transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to take three to five days and the bank can and will arbitrarily or not sometimes arbitrarily, sometimes not flag that mm-hmm. and hold it up totally and say whether or not you're able to give me that money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why that is that we give banks say over what we do with our money is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. And we've just taken that for granted. Bitcoin is decentralized. There is no bank. Mm-hmm. There is no government. And wrapping your head around that idea initially is like, well, then it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's more safe. Um, but it also means that I can give you any sum of money I want to immediately mm-hmm. with no one else saying whether or not I can or can't. Yeah. And that's just a power that no one has ever had before. Yeah. Which is, you know, and, and it's global. Mm-hmm. So I can, it, not only is it global in terms of my ability to give people money um, or transact with that money to transfer that value. Um, but because it's a global currency, uh, I, I, I hesitate yeah. to call it a currency, but because it's a global um, thing, not centralized in any government, um, oh, lost my train of thought. Um, it works everywhere. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Yeah, it's really profound. We'll, we'll we'll probably link to a couple of things that can explain this a little bit a little bit more clearly than we can. I mean, it, it's. It's it's absolutely fascinating, you know, as we move um, into more of a digital age and how do we, um, like how, because it also, also a global economy also, like mm-hmm. how do you, like we still depend on, I mean, the dollars pretty much, the euro, um, oh shoot, what's the, uh, the pound, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's, there's some things that are fairly um, I think the dollar is, is the, is the most, um, traded, um, mm-hmm. currency. Yeah. You know, I think that's, I think that's just something to really, 
and also just right now it's like with like square and elon and all these like micro strategies like putting billions and millions of dollars into bitcoin like you're seeing people see the value um, as a, as a bitcoin as a storing value and i think you're going to see cuz like again i was approached to this like back in 2010 2012 about putting bitcoin atms in our <clears throat> in our coffee shops oh interesting and i was just like oh no it's stupid it's just sort of like make believe money and right. that kind of stuff and, oh i wish i would have got it boom but everyone's got those stories you know well that's the funny thing is like <clears throat> i think you were saying this earlier like all money is make believe. Yeah. That's the thing. Money isn't valuable. It simply represents value. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's ability to be valuable is its ability to represent other value. And it can only represent other value when it is mutually accepted that it Mm -hmm. does that representation. Totally. You know, it's like, what is a dollar? It's a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. you know, no, like physically, you know, no more intrinsically valuable than any other piece of paper. Mm-hmm. It's only because we all agree that it re- that it's u- it's a unit of representation for a certain amount of value that it takes on, takes that on. Mm. It's the thing with gold. I mean, what is gold? It's just a freaking rock, you yeah. know, a mineral. <laughs> but it's shiny. But it's shiny and pretty. <laughs> but we've, we we it's just arbitrarily. And the ladies we've, like it. <laughs> we've we've assigned value to it. Which is, uh, but you can't you can't carry around gold bars with you everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, which is fascinating. But yeah, well, I think another thing that so I've been reading about non fungible tokens, um, which is like somebody's got to come up with a new name for that. <laughs> I know I just keep thinking like fungi or something like that. Well, it's the idea that like um, well, let's put it in the in the real space. Like a dollar is worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you've got a dollar bill and I've got a dollar bill, we could trade dollar bills and nothing has changed. You know, mm-hmm. maybe yours was a little bit crisper than mine. And, you know, <laughs> that gives me some satisfaction maybe. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Um, but non-fungible means that it is not that one is, does not equal one. Hmm. Land, I think, is a good op- uh, uh, example of this. Oh, interesting, yeah. Like you have an acre of land. I have an acre of land. Hmm. You want to trade acres of land? Probably not. Mm-hmm. They're not the same, you know? Um, yeah. You might have a river on yours or mm-hmm. uh, I might be on a uh, oil spilled land. Or something. Right. Totally. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Oak wilt or fire mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the things generally that money represents, the value that it represents, are generally real-world, non-fungible things. Mm -hmm. Um, So using land as an example. So land has value, clearly. Um, And it's obvious that it's valuable. It doesn't matter whether or not it's worth money. I mean, it's valuable. It's a place to be, like Mm -hmm. a a place to seek shelter and refuge. um, To put a fence up. Safety and protection, yeah. Mm So the interesting thing in the digital world is that when it comes to Bitcoin, we tend to think of uh, one argument against Bitcoin or any other digital currency is that like, it's nothing. It's make believe. It doesn't exist. It's, it, it can't have any value because it's literally just numbers on a computer somewhere. And it's like, okay, but 
numbers on a computer make believe digital things obviously have value. It's self-evident. If you look elsewhere, Mm -hmm. like for an example, doesn't digital image have value? Hmm. I mean, ask Kim Kardashian, you know, I think she gets paid hundreds of thousand dollars to post Instagram Instagrams, Hmm. you know, that, that Instagram clearly has value. It can also be duplicated. Hmm. So in some sense it is, not non-fungible. It is fungible. I hate this word. <laughs> um, because I can drag the image to my computer and save it and send you a copy and the copies are endless. But like, what if we had the ability just like, you know, a painting, hmm. the Mona Lisa that obviously has value. Like we could take a picture of it. Is that picture valuable? No, why not? Because it's not the Mona Lisa. How do we know? Because we know where the Mona Lisa is. Mm-hmm. We know that's where the value is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So with what's called a non-fungible token, you essentially can know where the original is to any given piece of digital information. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a big deal. I think (laughs) because most of our lives are moving into the digital space. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the value that we create is moving into the digital space. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to continue to grow and, and, and move there. And so the idea of knowing where the original is, is going to be a valuable thing. That's where uh, blockchains come in. Blockchains help with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about blockchain is that it's a record that is immutable, mm-hmm. which means you can't change it. Once a record, once once something has been recorded onto a blockchain, it can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot explain technically how that is or why that is, but um, as an idea, it's a pretty big idea. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is really fascinating because these these are things that we we have been and are going to struggle with um, in this in this next ten years is this whole how the digital world is truly starting to infringe or infringe on a lot of old world systems. You know, I mean, you kind of saw this with the you know going from you know, gold and silver is a standard to sort of like, you know, a dollar bill or, you know, where the coin wasn't actually, <laughs> you know, made of the value that it, that right. it becomes more of a representative of that value. Right, right. And so like, so as we moved further and further all the way to where we took the dollar off the gold standard, like you would think everybody like, Oh no, everything collapses, but we kind of just, just kind of moved on. Yeah. Kept going. <laughs> it kept going. I'm sure there was like, uh, there was probably a big deal at the time. So I think this is like another one of those sort of cultural revolutions as far as how we view, how we view money and where we store value. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, I think that's where I think Bitcoin is one of the places that we're having to, on a cultural level in a societal level, start kind of wrestling with that idea and some of it's, it's funny because I think a lot of stuff we're going to struggle with and wrestle with 
are things that we've already been doing, but it's been so built into our, um, you know, how like that, this dollar is tangible. I feel it in my hand, right? but it really doesn't, it's not backed by anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, other than uh, a faith in the uh, government that's issuing it, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And a cultural agreement about a cultural agreement. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there really is this, this next, there's kind of this next wave that I think will, I think we'll probably end up shifting to sort of like, something like a Bitcoin holding value. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. I, mm-hmm. It makes more and more sense to me. Um, and I think the whole thing with one of the, I think one of the big shifting points for me, one is, is this new 1.9 trillion, mm-hmm. you know, it's like injection, injection into the economy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because like the first one back in May, man, I was so thankful for that. I'm really, I, I really was glad for that. Yeah, you know, this next round that we got of PPP and stuff, so much help, very helpful. But when we, can, I know we can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and that's 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 kind of like kind of kind of a little bit scary to me. I don't understand all these things, so I think that's kind of why we want to talk about this tonight. Is these are things we're trying to work around, work our head around as far as like, like, what does that mean? Can the government keep doing this? And again, our, our debt is getting so, so much bigger every, every year. It's like, right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who have talked about how injecting 1.9 trillion into the economy is only going to inflate the dollar mm-hmm. and weaken the dollar. Um, you know, while it might be, you know, at least temporarily really helpful to quite a few Mm -hmm. that isn't going to be good for the economy in a, even a medium term or for individuals daily lives in a medium term prices are going to have to go up, which is going to be hard. I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can go here and this might be something you and I need to kind of talk about outside of this, but I wonder if there's a lot of this also with the postmodern thinking of sort of subjective value that you could just, just put, keep putting money in to the system. It doesn't really have to have value. Like, like, uh, like words are not something that, um, represents something, but words are power. So as long as you keep printing more money, then that just is giving you more power. Does that make sense? I'm kind of, I'm kind of, this kind of thought just came to me right now. I was like, if. Yeah, I don't see the postmodern thread that you're pulling on. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to kind of like. Yeah. Also, I don't know nearly enough about economics. (laughs) You're not an expert? No. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Cause I, I think this is something I was talking with someone earlier this week about that. I know I didn't have in high school or in college was really understanding like a profit loss statement, you know, mm-hmm. um, cost of goods and how that works and how you work labor into that. And, you know, you can't just arbitrarily raise, uh, 
give everybody raises because at some point you're going to be spending more money than you're bringing in. And then also you can't keep charging more and more because at some point people are not going to pay the value of what you're charging is not worth, is not what people are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of those concepts that I think I know I wasn't taught very well, or maybe I just didn't listen, (laughs) which is possibly true too, (laughs) that I I don't feel like we, we really comprehend as a society. You know, it's sort of like, no, you can always pay people more. You can always charge more. You can always, you know, there's this idea of you can always, you can keep doing more, but we don't really understand the consequences of always doing more. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, again, if I have to charge more then you know, people have to make more to make, to, to buy what I have. So everything keeps kind of going up. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, there seems to be something about what, that if, you know, the money isn't the value, it's representative of value. So if you inject a bunch of money into the economy, mm-hmm that can only be a short-term solution because you haven't changed the amount of actual value that exists in the economy. Mm. You've simply injected, you've changed people's ability to do transactions. Mm-hmm. So that can stimulate an economy yeah. by doing transactions, but you haven't actually created any new value at all. Mm-hmm. So eventually all those dollars are worth less Mm -hmm. because the dollar is only worth something relative to the value it represents. So, well, for, for instance, like you can keep like they've done a, I mean, again, the government's done a really good job of helping restaurants and stuff like that because restaurants are, you know, uh, coffee shops have been the hardest hit by that because we've, we actually need people to come into a physical location. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole like order door dash and that kind of, that does not help restaurants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I know whether I, I want this or not, that the government can't just keep giving us money, restaurants and stuff like that. Like that's, that's not going to change anything. Uh, it can help us make that, you know, bridge ourselves into, but we need people back in our stores. We need people back in, coming to restaurants mm-hmm. right because without that then you're just going to endlessly be giving restaurants money to not do anything to not do anything to not, not create actually, value produce, and by that money. by that means you're actually lowering the real value in the economy mm-hmm. because you're preventing because the restaurant isn't actually providing the value that it used to Mm-mm. so that's a reduction in net value exactly and so basically you know if the restaurant is needs to do 10 and they're only doing seven, but the government keeps giving them three, three dollars to that, you know, to make the 10. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're going to have to keep giving that $3. Right. Indefinitely until, unless we can shift how we're, uh, I mean, there's a lot of innovation that's happening within this, but, uh, it's just not sustainable for restaurants specifically. Yeah. Like, this whole ordering from home thing. Maybe pizza companies are, are doing well, <laughs> yeah. but they already had a, a, a pretty strong to go. And right. they, that travels really well, you right. know, right. but I don't know. It's, it's, this is, this will be a really fascinating time to look back on. I, I think 
there's a lot of people struggling. It's really difficult. Um, but I think there's, there's, there's probably some hard lessons we're going to have to learn yeah. from this. And for sure. I hope it's just, we don't have to, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be too hard. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. Is there anything else about money that we want to dive into? Probably. My gears are just barely working right now. Well, let me just throw a few things out if we don't have to keep going on it, but you know, saving savings, projecting things into the future. You and I read rich, rich dad, poor dad, uh, which is a book I would never have written, uh, read in the past because right. it just always sounds so cheesy, you know? Uh, but he makes a lot of great points in that, um, uh, read a book, uh, it's called think and grow rich, which again, it's one of those, those, <laughs> those titles that I would never have read before mm-hmm. because it just sounds so cheesy. Uh, but it's really interesting as far as like, I think I just have, I've had such a, um, push against the idea of wanting to make money. Like it's always uh, almost seemed evil, you know, or bad. Mm. Um, but I think more and more is like in that specific, cause again, there's, there's a lot of different ways that, um, you can, uh, create resources and value to inject into the world around you. It's not just financially, but this is a new area for me to look at, you know? So, but definitely see like there's some really great things that you can do. Like, I mean, again, you think of all the like charities that have been developed over the years. It's like, it's all from excess. People are just like, Hey, here's a problem. I want to solve that problem. And I'm going to create an organization to do that. <laughs> so I don't know. It seemed like it'd be really fun to be able to, to do that. Yeah. But let's wrap the shores. I think so. <laughs> this is a stressful topic. I it's, it's hard. <clears throat> I think it's hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>